Hey, this is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com or FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch With Jen and Friends. If Watch With Jen is the studio track, this is the acoustic version. Today's guest is Danielle Saltzman. Fresh, knowledgeable, and funny, film critic Danielle Saltzman remembers not only the first movie she saw on the big screen, which was The Land Before Time, but also recalls falling in love with film while watching Jurassic Park and Star Wars in the mid-1990s. A Kentucky native, Danielle initially relocated to Chicago to study improv and sketch comedy, and although instead she transitioned to becoming a film critic, she has never given up her love of comedy and tries her best to inject humor in film reviews whenever possible. A veteran of the film festival circuit, since 2018, she has traveled across the United States and Canada to cover Sundance, South by Southwest, Tribeca, and the Toronto International Film Festival. With quarantine keeping her stuck at home, she shifted her energies from the feature film screenplay she'd been working on to write a short film instead, the first project that Danielle has made since she came out as transgender in 2015. Pandemic Therapy, which she not only wrote but also directed and starred in, made its online debut on September 15. I can't wait to talk to her about her new film, along with everything else, so welcome Danielle to Watch with Jen and Friends. How are you doing and how are you adapting to pandemic life? Uh, how am I doing? That depends on the day. Right? Yeah. <laughs> today, how are you doing today? Well, I was hoping to watch a movie, but that didn't happen. <laughs> Screener then, failure, yeah. And then, of course, when you have an interview set at a certain time, that really affects the backup plan. Yeah, not good at all. Yeah, so with under 90 minutes, I'm like, yeah, so can't really watch another movie right now. <laughs> Then I decide to uh, get the process set up to start transcribing another interview and haven't actually started on that. I know. Yeah, it's kind of a crazy week. I don't know if it was just me. So I, I guess it's all of us right now. Yeah. Yeah. Is today the first day for TIFF coverage or was that yesterday? Well, I know that there were some screeners that started becoming available yesterday. Okay. According to people I know. Okay, good And deal. according to, well, actually, according to the PNI schedule that you can download, even uh-huh. if you're not actually, quote unquote, covering the film festival. Ah, okay. PNI, yeah. press and industry, just explaining yeah. for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. And actually, as I was telling another friend, I had to go rogue as far as like getting screeners. Okay. I can't watch via the platform since I'm not credentialed at it ask a publicist for screeners in order to have any hope of covering Toronto this year. Gotcha. I know it was so strange. Yeah. With everything going on. I know. Well, I'm glad that you got some screeners. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that they work better than the one did this morning for American Utopia, which looks awesome. But you have a fascinating journey to film criticism. I know you were interested in comedy and improv and if memory serves, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I believe you told me once that you had a radio show in college. So how did you find your way into writing about film? Well, first of all, I did not have a radio show in college. I had a late night TV. TV? Oh, 
Got that one wrong. <laughs> yeah, it was in the style of the uh, Daily Show. Oh, cool. Yeah. D- did you write it and do all of it or just host? I hosted it and then uh, a few friends and I, uh, we wrote the monologue. Oh, cool. Yeah. So was that daily, weekly? Like that would have been a lot of work. Well, I called it the nightly show, but it was really once a week for six weeks. Okay. And and with the style being the daily show, I had a few uh, political folks on. I had a few members of student government. I actually okay. got the then Secretary of State, Trey Grayson, to announce on my show that he was running for re-election. Oh, I so cool. The entire state. Oh, my gosh. That is wonderful. Which school did you go to? This was Northern Kentucky. Okay. Outside of Cincinnati. I had started at Bradley University my freshman year, but we were in the middle of Illinois and six hours away from home without a car. It's kind of hard to go back and forth during the break. Yeah. And your comedy and improv background. So what led you into writing about film? I mean, it's really more of a fluke. Really? Yeah. I mean, I was up through 2011. I had my own uh, site, uh, the Kentucky Democrat, which was a political blog. And then I I had spun that off into uh, Redbird's Fund to cover the Cardinals in St. Louis, as opposed to Lowell, because I will never cross the street to root for U of L. 2013, well, after the home run, I mean not home run, after the uh, World Series, I got recruited to write for Redbird Rants through the fan sided network, and then early 2012, uh, when Kentucky was making their Final Four run, I uh, looked into signing on as a staff writer for the uh, Kentucky uh, site on Fan Site at Wildcat Blue Nation. Mm-hmm. And from there, I mean, 2013, my, va- my family is vacationing in Tampa. Mm-hmm. And the uh, higher-ups posted in the Google group that, hey, we're restarting uh, FlickSighted, our uh, film site, and looking for writers. And so I volunteered as a writer and the rest is history. That is so cool. So yeah, you really did stumble in, but you had a like a strong writing background because you did it on your show and then writing about sports and politics. So that I think really helped you and makes your writing and your voice so unique and so much fun to read, really. And I know you're an avid reader and reviewer of film history books and biographies. So what are some of your favorites, and are there any recent titles that you loved and would like to recommend? Well, some of my favorites in quarantine, uh, Cass uh, Warner Sperling's uh, book on uh, the Brothers Warner. Yeah, you told me about that. That sounded great. Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, I had started quarantine reading David Thompson's book, uh, Warner Bro, Warner Brothers through, uh, which was published by Yale Press. Okay. And then I just in the um, bibliography that there was the Brothers Warner, and I'm like, I should check this one out. Yeah. I loved it so much better. Okay, cool. I mean, especially when it's from a family member. They've got that personal history of talking yeah. to their cousins, of talking to their parents. Yeah, they can bring that into the work, yes. Yeah, and then uh, Bob Thomas, uh, he's written a number of biographies, and 
One of the ones I read was King Cone. I found that rather fascinating about the whole history of uh, Columbia Pictures. And Harry Cohn in general was yeah. definitely not a mogul that I would want to be friends with. No, not at all. I don't think I'd want to hang out with him. No. <laughs> and then Bandit Craft, uh, she wrote uh, The Man Who Made the Movies about the rise and fall of William Fox, who right now is basically long forgotten when it comes to the history of Fox. Yeah. Because people either think of Murdoch. Mm-hmm. Or they think the conservative news channel or Daryl Zanuck, whereas yeah. uh, Fox was in charge of Fox Film up until that merger. And if he didn't decide to try to pretty much basically merge with MGM mm-hmm. or Lowe's at the time, he could have a far different story in history. Yeah. It sounds like you were kind of covering the studios, like who was behind them and the background. That's a really cool thing to do. Good way to get into the history. Well, I mean, early quarantine, that was what I was doing. And then I transitioned into film directors. And the day that Chadwick died, I mean, I found out about that. must have been lunchtime when I went downstairs to check mail and didn't really make progress with reading for the rest of the day. No, not at all. I was in such shock. I can't believe that. Yeah, exactly. Well, I wanted to congratulate you on your short film. So what can you tell us about it? Is this something you worked on in Pandemic too? Yeah, I well, with uh, reading all these mogul biographies, I uh-huh. started the idea of writing a feature film set in the 1940s uh, about a fictional um, mogul. Uh-huh. The fictional studio. Well, at the time, it was going to be an oral history uh, fictional biography. And then I'm like, I should transition this into a film when I revisit. I mean, I first thought of it late March and then revisit it in June because focus on a given day, especially when you can't really go anywhere and all you do is stay home except for groceries. Like, yeah. focus on a given day. I mean, not much writing got done. And then when mm-hmm. I revisited in June, the most I got was six pages in a script. And I early, let's see, late July, early August, had an epiphany when I was in the shower and uh, decided to uh, write a uh, two-page short about how I basically cannot write a feature film in uh, quarantine. <laughs> Very meta. I love that. Isn't yeah. it weird how you get your best ideas in the shower? Like, I heard Aaron Sorkin took seven showers when he was writing uh, The Social Network. Seven showers a day. I mean, that's that's a little excessive. But we do get good ideas in there. They need to make a waterproof notebook for us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you wrote it. You had your epiphany. I love that. So when did you... You shot in August? Yeah, we... Uh, the same day Toronto credentials were uh, sent out or declined uh-huh we had wrapped uh photography about an hour and a half two hours before and then they send out the email and yeah my focus was just gone from there yeah but it comes out next week though on the 15th yep that's yeah. the plan as long as things uh stay on uh target we're doing okay. a uh, pickup shot this afternoon we were supposed to do it yesterday but 
when your uh, director of photography is also in the industry uh, as a yeah. writer or journalist, well, I guess journalist would be a better word. Okay. Because I never remember who's doing uh, written only and wh- who's doing video and all that fun stuff. But yeah, they had to watch a screener at the last minute for a uh, interview. So pickup shot's going to be today. Get that over my editor in Vegas, and then uh, hopefully have a final cut to watch uh, tomorrow, and then have everything set to uh, upload on Tuesday. Cool. Are you doing Vimeo or YouTube, or what are you planning? I'm planning on Vimeo. I love Vimeo. It's such a good platform. Yeah. Yeah. And the first day was when I found out I could watch all these Vimeo screeners from the comfort of my TV via the app, as opposed to constantly plugging in the HDMI cable. Yeah. It was funny. My mom uh, nicknamed me uh, Miss HDMI because she would call up like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm running an HDMI cord down the hall to the big TV in order to watch like a screener. And then what sucks is what kind of happened with you with American Utopia today. I mean, we're lucky to get access to these, but at the same time, you know, it's kind of like a flip of the coin if they're going to work or if they're going to crap out on us. So yeah, Vimeo is the way to go. It's so funny. I remember Matt Zoller sites making a joke on Twitter. He's like, put your movies on Vimeo. It's not like they're all Star Wars, okay? <laughs> and I thought that was really true. Yeah. No, I mean, or even like Focus and Universal with Screener Passport, like they've got it together. Yeah. Warner Brothers ha- Warner Brothers to an extent has it together. Because okay, they've cool. got that FRC app uh, for award season. Oh, Be yeah. Nice that if one. they would use it for the rest of the year, at least right now. Yes. Yeah, that would be good. Well, so, like, the, other, the other day, I'm, I had started Broken Hearts Gallery, and I've, it's set at 720 pixels on the uh, screener. Uh-huh. And, yeah, it starts video lagging. And for oh, comedies... Wow. That just takes you out of the film. It really does. I've had to make it like DVD quality or the bare minimum, even though I can stream 4K. So it's very strange. Yeah, sometimes when that happens. Yeah, like I had to switch to 216 and it was just so hard on the eyes. Yeah, exactly. So other than screeners, what have you been watching lately? Is there anything you'd like to recommend? Well... I have finished five seasons of Schitt's Creek. Oh, great show. Season to go. Okay. Well, I mean, granted, I rewatched the first season. When you move without a DVR, it is so hard to keep up with things. It really is. Yeah. Because I ended up the DVR must have been December 2016. But until then, it was pretty much... Keeping up with all my DC shows on the CW, keeping up with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and mm-hmm. there may have been another series, but I, like, I've like i been using quarantine, especially since June, to catch up on everything. Went yeah. through seasons of Cheers in oh, June, four seasons of Fuller House since I'd watched the first season after it uh, got released, then... Uh-huh. I think it was three, three and a half seasons of New Girl. 
cool. Maybe four, four and a half seasons of Mom. Oh, yeah. I'm behind on a bunch of these. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, went through, I finished four seasons, well, right now, five seasons of Schitt's Creek with one more to go. And that those episodes are going to be watched in between uh, transcribing interviews, in between uh, watching these films uh, while covering the film festival. Yeah, that's a good way to like rest your brain and your hands and everything for half hour or an hour. Just give yourself a mental break. And it's cool you watched a bunch of sitcoms because I think right now those are just so good to watch and cheer everybody up. And I was going to ask you, actually, because something we all need right now is a good comfort movie. So what are some of your favorites that listeners might want to pick up the next time they feel the need to watch something comfort that will comfort them. Uh, the ones I keep going back to in quarantine so far, I just did my second watch of Jurassic World. Okay. Which was the film I broke in my uh, 4K uh, TV with back in April or May. Oh, cool. Well, yeah, I was going to watch Saving Private Ryan that day. But Irfan Khan died uh, that morning or that afternoon. Oh, so I'm like, yeah, yeah I'll just watch uh, Jurassic World. And then that pretty much required me to watch Jurassic World 2. <laughs> yeah, you're a big fan of Spielberg, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. Is he your favorite filmmaker? Oh, easily. Easily? Gotcha. Because I know you mentioned... Uh, Jurassic Park was one of the movies that got you into, like, taking film as a serious medium. Well, that was the film that made me fall in love with film. Between that and Star Wars, I uh, decided I wanted to become a filmmaker. And then, of course, uh, Joel Lieberman gets nominated as VP in 2000. And then I start going down the political route of wanting to become the first uh, Jewish president of the United States and then <laughs> yeah my interests have been all over the place and then Second City Welcome Week in yeah. uh, 2003 at Bradley then that was when the comedy bug bit me and I wanted to go into improv and sketch and then <laughs> all through college it was like politics and comedy I'm like yeah I could always go the Al Franken route yeah there you go I know, that is so funny. I love that your interests are all over the place because the first thing I wanted to be that I can remember uh, was the first female president of the United States back when I was like in first grade. Uh, And of course, you know, a boy in my class, you know, girls aren't president. And I'm like, I will be. And uh, so, yeah, I've always been interested in politics. And I think it's good to have diverse interests because it makes your writing richer. I talked to Katie Walsh last week and she was saying that the exact same thing, like, you know, some critics are into art or painting or music or whatever, and they can bring that to uh, what they're writing about. And I think that's what makes your writing so fun and so just fascinating. I always love seeing your take on things. I think that's really what uh, gives you such a good voice. I mean, even with improv, like one of the things I remember hearing uh, was um, like read books about a variety of uh, subjects. That way you're not creating the same character over and over and over. Oh, that's great advice. Yeah. Did you have any characters that 
you used to go for when you were doing your improv? Like, was there a regular one that you loved? Well, I mean, there were some that I came up with uh, for scripts that I uh, liked. And I mean, even if I don't recycle them per se, mm-hmm. like some of these names and scripts I keep going back to for other projects just because I like the name. I've done that too. It's so funny. A name I used to use all the time in my writing was Jedediah. And that was like my thing in the 90s. And then it kind of cooled. And now one of my friends is named Jedediah. the first Jedediah I've ever met. So that was kind of funny. It was like, yes, I felt a kinship right away. Like that was one of my favorite names. So exactly. Well, one question I love asking Chicago area critics is let's say the Music Box Theater asked you to program a night of movies. And we have to imagine, of course, the pandemic's over, we've been vaccinated, everything is good. So what movies would you like to play for us? And is there a theme? Okay, are we talking just a night or a full day? You know what, let's give you a day. Why not? Because just a night really limits the options. Okay, let's do a full day the Danielle Fest. Okay, uh, oh, that is such a hard... I know! Sorry about that. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's do first movie at noon, because I, I mean, I honestly don't remember what time they actually open after first screenings, but let's say first movie's at noon. Okay. Gonna start off the day with uh, Blues Brothers. Oh, yeah. Because I just love that movie, and uh, that gets some energy going. Yes. And then keep that energy going with uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Perfect. And I, I like really the Chicago sh- connections here. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I really should be looking at the run times. Oh, <laughs> you're fine. We don't have yeah. to be that specific. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm looking at my Blu-ray collection to, because that is where quarantine brain is right now. I know. I had to do the same thing when I was talking to somebody last week. I was like, out of the corner of my eye, just looking at my shelf. Okay. After Ferris, uh, one film that I feel is underappreciated, and I know Stephen has said uh, he felt the production uh, going out of control when he was. Uh, making the film, but I would go with 1941 for the next film. Good. Yeah. Bold choice. I like that. I have not seen that since I was a kid. I would love to see that again. Yeah. I just watched it again a few years ago. I bought it on Blu-ray sometime before the HBO documentary aired. Mm. And then going back to the Chicago connection and maybe because it's so fresh in my mind with the two year anniversary being this past week, but an underappreciated film, Widows. Oh, I love that film. That was yeah. the first 4K I bought was Widows. Yeah, such yeah. a good movie. I saw it in Toronto, and I thought it would be one of those films that would get a lot of awards acclaim. And sure enough, it mostly got snubbed uh, during the Oscars. It really did. I think some people blame the marketing like they weren't sure how to sell the film to the audience. I don't know what it was, but it's just a shame. It's such a great film. Everyone is so dynamic in that movie. I mean, 
the performances are incredible. Yeah. And following Widow's uh, trip to um, just off the coast of Costa Rica for uh, Jurassic Park, the original film. Perfect. And as the night closes in closer to midnight, let's go with Jaws. Oh, that's a great, great movie to show right before midnight. Like a midnight movie energy. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, between Jurassic Park and Jaws, people will not be sleeping. Well, No. I still remember seeing Jurassic Park in the theater. Like, I just finished reading the book. I got the hat. I was such a nerd. I loved that movie. And when we went to the theater, people actually screamed. It was the scene where the kids are in the car. And, you know, the yes, that is when they scream. Every time. (laughs) Oh, I know. It scares me to death. Yes. But, uh, like, I feel like the gif of the the lawyer sitting on the toilet and getting eaten. That's been, like, (laughs) one of my gifts on social media. Yes. It's such a memorable moment. Yeah. And you got to go, you got to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've always enjoyed your festival coverage. So what is something that surprised you the most about film festivals when you began attending them? And what do you miss the most right now about festivals? Well, what surprised me the most is when you try and plan a fest, when you try and plan your own schedule, uh-huh. always backup plans in mind because yeah. of you never know how long you're going to stay at a party. Mm-hmm. You don't know what traffic is going to be like or how long it's going to take to get an Uber or Lyft. I mean, like Sundance, I love that they have the uh, buses, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's cold. I don't want to wait so long. I may have to take an Uber or Lyft to get from point A to point B. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I remember South By, there's always been, at least every single year, well, I mean, the two years that I've been on the ground, the first year, the one morning, uh, I try Uber, my car doesn't want to go through. I try the car doesn't want to go through. I try calling a taxi service. Yeah, nobody responded to the pickup. And it's oh been a gosh. half hour at this point. So I try Uber again. And finally, my card goes through. So I'm able to get my ticket for the screening I'm going to in the evening. But I've completely lost out on the first home that I was doing that day. Yeah, I know. It always changes. It's insane. Yeah. What do you miss the most about festivals? Is it the camaraderie, seeing something new? Well, being around friends, the networking, and of course, waiting in line and hearing both the positive and negative buzz, because that means, especially when it changes your schedule. I remember my uh, second Sundance, I was going to see uh, a movie that Friday. And then I can't remember the name. And then I started hearing all this uh, praise for Loose. And so I ended up doing uh, that film on Friday instead. Mm-hmm. And then a year before in 2018 during Toronto, I had Life Itself on my schedule. Oh, wow. <laughs> I dropped that as soon as I heard all the negative buzz. You bet. Yeah. 
So I ended up doing phenomenal. I'm glad you saw that. What did you switch to for life itself? I ended up doing Fahrenheit 11.9, and that's probably the, at least recently, the only movie I've literally dropped an F-bomb during the screening, especially (laughs) all the uh, coverage of Flint. Yeah, I know. So shocking. Yeah. Well, there are so many streaming channels. On the one hand, I love the variety, and on the other, it kind of feels like cable all over again. But I still love it. So are there any channels you prefer and what are the ones you can't live without? Well, I mean, right now I basically cannot live without Disney Plus, Netflix, Prime Video, Hulu. And I really hope Roku makes a deal with HBO Max and uh, Peacock because we're coming up on the end of September. Well, I mean, mid-September, closing in on the end of September. I mean... You've had this long to make a deal. How do you not have one? I mean, I have to keep emailing HBO for screeners. And at that, I don't know exactly when I'll have time to watch it. Yeah. I know it is so frustrating, frustrating, especially because the HBO Max library is so good. They have like tons of stuff that I want to watch. And I usually have to use like the Google Chromecast option to cast it to the TV. Sometimes there's a lag, so then you go with HDMI or watch on, like, your tablet. That's not ideal. It's kind of a headache. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point, I've told publicists, like, hey, I would love to sign up for HBO Max, but until there's a deal, I mean, I, I cannot ha- handle any more frustration try- with the HDMI cable. I mean, there, yeah. I mean, there is at least... A point after getting the uh, new TV to where indie with those screeners, it was like so much lag to where I gave up. I mean, Compone, I couldn't even get three minutes into the film before the first uh, buffering. And at that point, it just, I mean, you're limited to one view, maybe two tops, and you're yep. just, just stuck there buffering. And yeah, if, I that- re- if I refresh, I lose a view. I know. And Is it the indie.tv, right? Yeah, and it's that a Sunday. So no publicist would respond to that email, of course. <laughs> so I just gave up and didn't cover. Yeah, I know. I hate doing that, but it happens. I've had to watch some of these really great movies, like Relic, on my phone because it wouldn't work any other way. And yeah, it is frustrating for sure. Yeah. So on Disney Plus, do you have any favorite things you like to go to besides... I know you're a big Marvel fan. Have you been yeah. watching all the classics, or what do you go for? Well, I mean, I have uh, re-watched uh, some of the uh, cartoons again. Like, a few weeks ago, uh, Disney... Uh, well, the Walt Disney Family Museum had a uh, night with uh, Alan Menken as a fundraiser. Oh, and, of cool. course, you could attend for free. And they had another part that was like more private-ish uh, where you could actually talk to Alan or get that one-on-one time, something like that. But mm-hmm. uh, so that night I ended up watching uh, Beauty and the Beast cartoon, Little well, Little Mermaid first and then Beauty and the Beast. And then because you're already getting so late at the night in the evening, I saved Aladdin for the next day. Yeah. Oh, and I then, bet. Of course, well, Memorial Day weekend. Well, not Memorial Day. It was right after Memorial Day and heading into uh, the Jewish holiday of Shavuot. Uh, 
my the guy the maintenance guy was out sick, so I couldn't get my AC unit installed, and it oh, was no. just to the point where it's unbearable to watch new films because you're just you're sweating up a storm when you sleep. You just yeah. don't have enough energy to get through the day. Mm-hmm. To where I'm like, well, I, and I was also wanting to add Captain America: First Avenger to my Memorial Day viewing because oh, yeah. I start I started out Memorial Day with the new uh, 4K of the Deer Hunter, and then oh, I um, and then I uh, watched uh, Midway, and then mm-hmm. did Saving Private Ryan and all the bonus features. But I didn't have en- enough time in the day to watch uh, Captain America, so mm-hmm. I ended up doing. Uh, I think it was Thursday. I'm not sure if it was daytime or the evening when I uh, started on Captain America: The First Avenger. Then I did Winter Soldier. Then I did, I uh, believe after that, Civil War. And uh, from there, I think that took me into uh, the holiday. So, mm-hmm. uh, and then of course, Saturday night, I come back online late and then find out everything that happened. Like, this was right when the protests were starting. Yeah. So, uh, Sunday, I end up watching Black Panther. Yes. Thor Ragnarok, and then uh, Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. And this was actually the first time I watched Infinity and in- Infinity War and Endgame back-to-back. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, my brother introduced my niece to all the films in the Marvel, so they started at the beginning and w- watched all the way through. And I know that was really a cool opportunity to do that on Disney+. Plus. Are there any originals for Disney Plus that you like so far? Or are you more like just going for the classics? Yeah, I'm more or less going for the uh, classics. Yeah, gotcha. There's some new series on uh, Disney Plus that I just haven't had the time. I know. It's like there's not enough time in the day. (laughs) Or like the... They'll send screeners, and for the movies, I will make the time to watch them. But then again, like I'll deal with that video lag, and yeah. so then I want to wait till it releases on the app. But I don't want to. Then you have to wait until every episode is released. Otherwise, but like Clone Wars, I was watching as soon as it came out, uh-huh. and Alorian, I watched as soon as it came out. Yeah, exactly. So beyond Disney Plus, you mentioned Netflix and Hulu and Prime. Do you have a favorite of those? A favorite of the three or a favorite on each of those platforms? Ooh, either one or both. Well, I mean, they all have their own. Uh, I mean, that li- having the library on those is nice. I mean, that's definitely one yeah. thing I like about it. Maybe even more so than the originals they offer. But the one thing I especially love about Netflix, the ability to watch press screeners directly on the app. It's perfect, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So good. Type four uh, like, numbers in and you've got it. Yeah. And with uh, Amazon Prime, I have noticed lately that if you wait until the right time on the day it's released, well, the day mm-hmm. before it's released, it's actually in the system. Oh, Cool. That is interesting. I'll have to look for that. Yeah. And then Hulu is really building just an awesome library. So many great documentaries and all kinds of films. It's kind of a hard one to navigate, sort of like Prime. But 
there's a lot of good stuff there. Have you made any cool discoveries? Well, with Hulu, it's mostly been uh, watching things I haven't uh, finished yet. Gotcha. Yeah. Like those great TV shows and sitcoms. Yeah. Like the one thing I love about Hulu is like the next day, like especially when I'm at a film screening, when a show's airing, like I'll just, and if I know it's on Hulu the next day, I'll just watch it on Hulu and not have to worry about commercials because I've got that no ad plan. Oh, cool. Yeah, I need to bite the bullet and get the no ad plan at some point. But, yeah, it's such a good system. Yeah, but yeah. the one thing I don't like, I mean, the first two years I had Hulu as a result of uh, being in awards groups, they mm-hmm. uh, included Showtime. And then the third year... They don't include Showtime. Yeah. So that's been one uh, bummer. I know. I always have to sign up for Showtime whenever, like, there's a new season of a show I like. And then I drop it right away. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I do the same thing. And then All Access, I uh, took advantage of the, I think it was the free month uh, this summer so that I could watch Picard. And I that quickly and i'm trying to think if i ever actually got rid of my account oh yeah i know isn't it it's like we have so many that sometimes you forget so you have to check into that for sure yeah. how was the card good yeah i mean it was good cool. one of these days i'll make it through the original series yeah uh, yeah very but cool I do like that viacom is uh doing their best at building on to their library yeah, very much. I haven't really explored Peacock too much, but I know there's some good stuff on there. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, and I want to watch the screeners, but I've had that problem with uh, video lag. Yeah. Like, either with uh, HDMI cable or without. Like, I tried watching Psych 2, and ultimately, uh, there's just too much lag to where I am waiting. For yeah, and it kind of ruins the experience deal. fully. Because, yeah. I mean, you can't, then that's the type of show where you need running straight through. Yeah, Psych is so funny with all the one liners yeah. and it's quick. So you want it to be just as quick when you're watching. Exactly. Yeah, same goes for AP Bio, which just launched uh, last week. Oh, a new season? Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that was a funny season. show, I thought. Yeah, I mean, one of my friends created it, so. It's definitely Oh, very funny. cool. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much, Danielle, for taking the time to do this. It's been really fun talking to you. I've always enjoyed talking to you on social media, so this was great. Thank you for having me. This is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com or FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen and Friends.